Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. <laughs> I so enjoy uh, Heather. Heather, you do a great job. <coughs> All right. Um, today, we are not going to gather into small groups afterwards. Um, my topic is such that I thought that this would be a good time for you to ask me any questions afterwards about what I said or about the Enneagram. And so um, afterwards, it's just going to be a what are you thinking time. So before I begin, uh, is there anyone here who doesn't know the Enneagram? Who doesn't know the Enneagram? <coughs> oh, good. Because I rearranged my talk so that there would, if there was someone here that didn't know the Enneagram, they wouldn't be lost the whole time. And so <laughs> I'll be talking to you. <laughs> All right. So in case there are people here who don't know the Enneagram, uh, I am going to define three terms at the outset. And the first term is... <coughs> Uh, the Enneagram theory. What is the Enneagram theory? The second one is what is the Enneagram type? And the third one is what do I mean by meditation or centering prayer? <coughs> so the Enneagram theory suggests that people's actions are motivated by one of three basic needs. They are either motivated to experience esteem and affection or they are motivated to experience safety and security, or they are motivated to experience power and control. So we all do similar things, but we are doing them for different reasons. Each of the three basic needs is divided into three subcategories called types. So three basic needs with three subcategories equals nine types. So the Enneagram types are nine different strategies for meeting our needs. Our types, our strategies, our false selves come to us through our thoughts, through our stream of consciousness. So I'm going to use the words thoughts, stream of consciousness, false selves, and type interchangeably. <coughs> The Enneagram theory also suggests that all of these strategies will ultimately fail us. Hence, the statement, when you discover your type, you haven't discovered who you are, but who you're not. So, <coughs> the Enneagram theory invites us to do the work in order to not identify with our false selves, our types, since these strategies will fail us. Meditate or centering prayer definition is, when I use the word meditate, I am referring <coughs> to toggling back and forth uh, between our thoughts, our stream of consciousness, and the sensations in your body. I am not talking about any altered states or any relaxed states. The meditation I am talking about is hard work. It is training yourself to steer your thoughts in order to exit the trance caused by your stream of consciousness. I use the word meditate and centering prayer interchangeably. Centering prayer is when you insert a prayer as you recenter your focus onto your body. Meditating is the mechanism we use 
to disidentify from our types since our types will fail us. All right, before I move on, that was a lot of definitions. Before I move on, I'm going to open it up to any questions. Was any part of that confusing, needs to be said again, doesn't make sense. <coughs> yes. So when you learn your type, you don't learn who you are. You learn what your false self looks like. And so we learn what our false self looks like so that when it manifests, we can be suspicious of its validity. <coughs> so an example of that would be uh <coughs> um, my wiring is such that I do a lot of comparisons, a lot of withdrawing, and a lot of suspicion. So when I am uh, coming into a group and my thoughts tell me that, uh, um, that I don't belong in that group, I calm myself down and says there's a really good chance that that is an expression of my type that is not wanting to be challenged. Okay, so because I know the Enneagram and I know uh, what I am typically prone to, I can keep my eyes out for it, and then when it manifests itself, I can potentially think, hmm, there's a good chance that this is not a reflection of reality. <coughs> Robin, you've got to repeat the question for the folks who are logged in, uh, and you need to stay a little bit behind the lectern for us to have a chance to repeat. Thank you. I have to repeat the question? Well, when someone asks a question, Thank you. they can't hear you on the Thank you. <coughs> okay. So was the definitions that I gave you for meditation, for centering prayer, for type, and for Enneagram theory, did that make sense to you? Okay, so when I, when I go proceed using those terms, you will be able to follow me. <coughs> All right. So if I look like I'm reading, it's because I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, this, this, uh, the first time I did this, it wasn't a problem. This time I'm thinking, oh, I think I'm reading, and I am. So we're just going to have to assume that one. Okay, I'm going to be reading. Okay. <laughs> All right. <coughs> Okay, today I'm going to read a story Jesus told about farmers who planted seeds and about different types of soil those seeds landed in. And then I'm going to show how that could also be a story about our attachments to our Enneagram types. And then I'm going to zero in on how meditating can help us detach from our types. And using the metaphor that Jesus gave, how meditating can change the soil of our heart from unhealthy to healthy, from barren to crop producing. Okay, so that's where we're going. <coughs> First, the story. <coughs> Quote, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. 
and whoever has eyes to see, let him see. End of quote. <coughs> In this story, Jesus has identified three examples of unhealthy soil and one example of healthy soil. Using the theory of the Enneagram, we might say that this is a story of how our attachments to our false selves, our attachment to our types, keep us unaware of truths that could produce crops. Hard soil cannot receive good seed. Attachments to our types cannot produce the spiritual life. The soil that is well-trodden paths might be said to be soil that is not open to another way of doing life. It is hard. This might be the season where we are establishing who we are. Plants and paths are not bad. They just don't produce crops. I had a library full of self-help books the first half of my life. The good seed and the truth from those books was all very good. That good seed and those truths fell on a well-trodden path of my heart. And I was a very good person with a very well-trodden path of a heart. <coughs> In Enneagram jargon, I identified with my type and couldn't see my blind spots and my biases. Nor was there any room in my life for the validity of your way of doing life. So using the story that Jesus told, I had access to good seed and to truth that would have delivered me from my biases and my blind spots, and I couldn't receive it. What we need to deliver us from our types, our false selves, is always available. We just aren't present to be able to receive it. The rocky soil actually had some good soil and some hard soil. There was some movement, some growth, some crops, but not yet. Too much growth was just too scary. And then the last example was soil that was not hard and not rocky, but simply not tended to. In this stage, I'm open to growth, but there are just so many baubles and movies and games and cruises and conferences and work and children and friends and movies and games and cruises <laughs> and conferences. I tell myself, someday I'll tend to the soil of my heart. Someday I'll get around to meditating. <coughs> I think the soil of my heart has experienced all of these stages. As one who strives to attain safety and security through understanding, I was always learning. <coughs> but decades passed before I was teachable. I have come across books that I read in my 20s that told me things that I am just now learning. <coughs> the seed was good, but the soil was not ready. I was too attached to my type. So what do we do if we want healthy soil which produces <coughs> spiritual crops? Our first instinct is to listen to our stream of consciousness as construed by our Enneagram type to tell us how to move forward, how to produce a good crop. 
and our Enneagram types will tell us their version of how to live. <coughs> they say, you want connection? Well, just ask your type. You can have esteem and affection if you are a giver, or you can have esteem and affection if you are successful, or you can have esteem and affection if you are unique. You want safety and security? You can have safety and security if you contract. Or you can have safety and security if you form a cohort. Or you can have safety and security if you move forward fast enough. <coughs> you want power and control? You can have power and control if you just get big enough. Or you can have power and control if you use it to create harmony. Or you can have power and control if you use it to achieve righteousness. <coughs> Our types will tell us this is the way to grow. This is the way to have healthy soil. And as we soon find out, this is mostly lies. Our stream of consciousness will keep our types alive, but it will not produce life. So what do we do if we want healthy soil, which will produce a spiritual crop? <coughs> we can meditate. In the same way that we are able to transform depleted soil into healthy soil in the physical world, so we can also cultivate our hearts so they can receive truth from another source other than our types. That cultivation is called meditation. The way we transform our well-trodden, rocky, and distracted soils into soil that bears eternal fruit is by meditating. Meditating is a way of actively cultivating an environment that allows the Holy Spirit to interrupt our type-related stream of consciousness. Meditating digs up the soil of our heart and makes it open to new ways of seeing things and new ways of doing things. Meditation is a form of surrender. When we surrender, we are deliberately shutting off all our means of distracting ourselves and of entertaining ourselves and of saving ourselves. We are shutting down our thought stream. We are shutting down our emotions and we are shutting down our bodies. We are saying thank you, but no thank you. We are practicing breaking up the tyranny of our thought stream that tells us there is no other way of seeing reality except for my way. We are saying over and over and over again, my way is not the only way, and I am open to being told that there are other ways that I can't see. The act of meditating simulates what it is like when you are not controlled by your type. I'll repeat that. Meditation simulates what it is like when you are not controlled by your type when you're not controlled by your stream of consciousness, which is how your type relates to you. Pilots are trained by sitting for hours in a simulator that simulates situations pilots might find themselves in. <coughs> Meditating is like volunteering to sit in a simulator and practicing over and over and over again, I am not my type. There is a me that is not my stream of consciousness. There is an awareness that is more valuable than my thoughts. I am not my type. There is a me that is not my stream of consciousness. 
There is an awareness that is more valuable than my thoughts. I want to cultivate that awareness that is more valuable than my thoughts. And when we meditate, we are toggling back and forth between our types, our stream of consciousness, and our bodies. Our bodies are truth-tellers and are neutral spaces where the Holy Spirit is invited to abide. I approach meditating as a time I am going to make myself uncomfortable. When I finish meditating, I often feel nothing. In fact, sometimes I feel frustrated by the seeming uselessness of it all. Jesus ended his parable by saying, Let him who has eyes to see, see, and let him who has ears to hear, hear. He is saying that whether or not we produce fruit has everything to do with whether or not we have cultivated spiritual eyes and spiritual ears that are tuned to the Holy Spirit. Apparently, our physical eyes and our physical ears are not the only eyes and ears that we have. What we see with our physical eyes and what we hear with our physical ears will reflect our specific Enneagram types. Our physical eyes and our physical ears will reinforce the lie that we are our Enneagram type. <coughs> uh, the physical eyes and ears will reinforce the lie that our Enneagram types will and can save us and will show us the way forward. What a relief to find out that we don't have to know the way forward ahead of time. It's not a bad thing if and when you discover that you can't save yourself. <coughs> you can't strategize your way forward. What a great place to be. You were never meant to be able to save yourself. We resist coming to the end of our types because sometimes the enemy we know is better than the enemy we don't know. <coughs> when we live according to our stream of consciousness, even if it fails us, we are at least in familiar territory. Meditate and you will be training yourself to being present and in the being present, you will then know the next step. Let me repeat that. Meditate and you will be training yourself to be present and in the being of being present, then you will know the next step. <coughs> Angie gave an example of this last week when she shared with us the dialogue she had with her dad. If I were to dissect her experience using Enneagram jargon, <coughs> here's what I would say. So Angie surrendered her strategy of doing life. As an Enneagram type one, their strategy is to conquer in the name of righteousness. She surrendered her strategy of conquering in the name of righteousness. She did so by pausing. And while pausing, she became aware that her heart was actually curious, something she wasn't aware of beforehand because her type was so focused on conquering. And when she paused, a question came to her that didn't come from her stream of consciousness. It came from the Holy Spirit. She didn't strategize ahead of time. I'm going to ask this and this and this. She became present, went into neutral, and the question came to her. The result was life and not strife. Doug perceptively followed up on her story by saying he could have done the exact same thing, asking this person lots of questions, but his asking could have been a form of control, which is also accurate. The type eights can control by dominating conversations. And in so doing, he would have been relying on his type and not the Holy Spirit, 
Again, it is not what you do, but why you do it. <clears throat> Lest you miss the point. The point was not, if you want to live from the spirit and not from your type, ask questions. In this particular instance, when Angie surrendered her type, the next step was to ask questions. But it could have just as easily been, you need to be quiet, or you need to change the subject, or you need to go to the bathroom, etc. Again, the point is, meditate, and in the meditating, you will be training yourself to be present, and in the being present, you will know the next step. <coughs> you will have access to a personal counselor that follows you around. You will be able to receive the good seed that is always sown. I'll end with a very small example from my own life. <coughs> the result of hearing and seeing as a result of meditating. First, a little background. My Enneagram type is content to live in a very contracted world. What that means is using Jesus' story, my compacted soil likes a very small space. But when my soil is healthy, my type is actually expansive and generous. So here's a story. I get a text from a friend, and she begins the text with, hello, dear friend, and then goes on to ask a question. And while I am reading, my personal counselor, the Holy Spirit, redirects my attention back to the top of the text and says, did you notice that she said, dear friend? My personal counselor, my Holy Spirit, went on to say, hmm, have you noticed how warm and generous the phrase is, dear friend? Hmm, have you noticed that you don't say, dear friend? And that is all. That dialogue is what I am making room for when I meditate. I am surrendering my perspective, my stream of consciousness, my worldview that says a contracted small world is a very safe place and a very safe place is a very good way to live. <coughs> I would not use the phrase, dear friend, unless the Holy Spirit had directed me to that phrase and suggested that I might want to incorporate that into my life. The Holy Spirit is saying, try saying the words, dear friend, as a way of expanding love in your heart, as a way of challenging your contracted world. Doing so will cause your soil to be good soil so that a crop can grow. <coughs> My Enneagram type, my stream of consciousness, is very content with my heart not being expanded and not producing fruit. But our God is for us and wants expanded hearts that produce 30, 50, and 100 fold. Don't be what Isaiah said. You will be ever hearing but never understanding, and you will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Instead, let's do what Jesus said. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's be willing to disidentify with our types and surrender our preconceived next steps that will supposedly save us. And instead, let's cultivate our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears that can receive the good seed that is always present. Thank you, guys. All right. Um,
have you back in just a moment. Okay. <laughs> um, we all give online now. All of you that are logged in, we give online now. Uh, and so if you would, prepare to do that. And remember what I say every time, that we uh, always get a good return when we invest in community. When we give our time and our energy and our love and our dollars, the community takes those resources, amplifies them, and gives them back to us in the form of a context in which we thrive and flourish and grow. So we do that online. Let's also begin to prepare for the uh, folks online to be dismissed. Uh, <clears throat> we are going to do what are you thinking in the uh, room. You are welcome to do it as well uh, on Zoom. On the front page of our website, you will see the link. And if you've hung in this long, we're going to tell you what the password is. The password is 1417, the first four numbers of our street address. <coughs> so 1417, uh, don't be a troll. All right? So if you would, put your hand on your heart, and let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. That means that we carry love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. They're all within us. And if you would, extend your other hand to our city. Let's look for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. Robin, come back up. All right. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you